0: Well, hello, Faith Family Church. We just heard another great sermon from the 1 John series titled, Person of Truth, Spirit of Truth. And we're kind of blessed today because we've got Dan Herbster, so we can kind of ask him some questions about the thoughts that he put behind as he was studying and preparing for this sermon. So we'll open up with our first question for, for Dan over here. And, and really,
1: um, how did this sermon bless you today? I think, I think the, the biggest thing for me was just just a reminder, like First John is... On one level, if you just read through it, it's, it maybe seems simple yeah. or, or like almost childish, um, but I think that's the the beauty of it and, and the help that it that it provides is it. It really is like there, there is a foolish way to live, and then a godly way to live. Uh, the truth is not as as complicated as some might mm-hmm. make it to seem to be. So just the, just the blessing of that. Um, if, ever, if ever in my own heart I'm making it, like my, my relationship with, with God, a difficult thing or a complicated thing, then, then that's a, a warning to me of like, hey, I'm, I need to just come back to the basics, something like First John. So it's just a big blessing to me. And, and Dan's mentioned this plenty of time, the, the truth, light, and love, uh, being reminded of that and, and being convicted of it, really. Oh, that's a great point. I think that sometimes we can get so fixated on
0: studying complex doctrines that we miss the simplicity, and John just gives us a great reminder in this this short mm-hmm. epistle. Ah, so what were your thoughts? How did it bless you as you were preparing? Oh, this yeah. Song?
2: Well, um, again, it, it's, pr- it's simple language, and yet it's just so profound. And then he uses repetition in such a way that you're kind of like, you don't want to superimpose a rigid outline, but you're like, how do I pull the truths out here in an organized fashion? And I almost feel like when you read through Paul, he's so logical and structured. He's almost like, here, preachers, I'm, I'm putting the outline out here for you. I'm like making it easy for you. Whereas John's kind of like, ha, ha come on, man, you gotta earn your pay here. I'm, I'm gonna like ramble all over the place like a conversation. Good luck coming up with an outline out of this. But, and it just, it just it's helped me to, rather than rush to the study aids, rather than rush to the commentaries, I've just found that uh, the the most important thing is to spend several days, just print out the text, not even in my study Bible, just print out the text and stare at it, see the pattern, see the structure. And then even today's passages, a lot of times they're split up in most uh, Bibles and everything, but there is that common theme of truth. And so um, eventually I just realized, okay, there's a person of truth here, what that's like, and then we have the spirit of truth and the spiritual message. I'm like, because there's other ways that you could tie it to previous passages, but that ended up going with it. And it was just a comfort to my own heart. I, that's one of the reasons I love apologetics. I love some of the people, scientists, Christian scientists out there who are, uh, do some really interesting stuff. It's just an encouragement to me, again, that like Christianity is rational. Right. And uh, so thinking through the truths of Christianity uh, and well, the, the essential truths of the faith, it's just an encouragement to me. Yeah.
0: So when you look at a commentary or a study bible oftentimes what they'll have is they'll have an exegetical outline which kind of outlines the flow of the author's thought in that epistle and if Sometimes the exegetical outline makes a good sermon outline, but not always. Yeah. In, in this situation, you couldn't have used John's exegetical outline because you'd be repeating, 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 repeating. So you had to look at it and, and find those repetitions, get those core themes and package them in a sermon that's coherent and kind of yeah. lands in the lap of the listener. So, yeah, and
2: that, that's been the, mo- the ch- most challenging part. Typically, the doctrines there aren't that complicated, but it's just kind of like, how do I, how do I pull the structure out here? You know, and uh, so it's been a fun challenge, though. I
0: think you did a phenomenal job with it. So very well done. It was such a blessing. Okay. So next question I want to ask you guys, and you you made a comment in the sermon when you said, and I'm paraphrasing right now, you said, our conscience can excuse us when it should accuse us, and it can also accuse us when it should excuse us. Um, So you kind of contrasted the idea of, of the conscience. And can you expound on on this idea and how the Holy Spirit personally informs your conscience and helps you walk in holiness and please God?
2: Yeah, well obviously unless someone has actually what we call psychopathy or or sociopathy, we all have a conscience. We have that inner voice inside us that that says what we're doing is right or wrong. Mm -hmm. And, of course, sometimes that can be misinformed by either the culture around us or the experiences we've had or what we really want to believe and we've kind of allowed ourselves to become numb to. Um, That's just from a human perspective. When you become a believer, uh, it's not a force, but... He, the Holy Spirit, is a is a person, but the way we feel sense his influence is often like a I like to call it a, a conscience on steroids almost. Yes. Uh, but again, even the Bible talks about how while the Holy Spirit is infallible, um, he can we, he can not work in our lives very well if we're not informed, because one of the things Christ says about the comforter is that he will remind you of what I've told you about the words of Christ. Well, if you don't have a lot of the words of Christ and the truth of the Bible in your heart, the Spirit doesn't have a lot to work with. That we know that you can quench the Spirit. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, this passage, uh, clearly though, so if, if our conscience or we think the Holy Spirit is excusing blatant sin that is clearly spelled out in the Scripture, that's a clear indication that either we've really seared our conscience, or that we just haven't, we're not truly believers, we're not really uh, looking at the truth. The, the primary thing I have in mind here is those debatable areas where maybe it's not specifically spelled out in Scripture, but we can have like an overactive conscience. Uh, either that because of a, a difficult background or just for a host of other reasons, and it, it can be comforting. Those words are so comforting that God is greater than our heart. Right. He knows everything.
0: So he knows everything. our
2: motives better than we know.
0: What is one of those debatable areas?
2: Oh my goodness! I'm I, I just having grown up in, in, uh, in circles uh, that I'm so grateful for, but that often put a huge emphasis on personal um, standards, like your dress standards, your entertainment standards, your music standards, those kinds of things, where someone's conscience might not allow them to do something that a conscience might permit somebody else to do. Um, I guess that's personal standards, but or like an in, you had an interaction and like. Was that, do I owe them an apology? Do I not? Um, things like, those are the kind of, the, some of the circumstances that okay. I typically think of.
1: You know. oh, that's great, very informative. What are your thoughts? Uh, and to go along with, with that, I just think of examples. Sometimes things that happen in our, in our past, hmm. just like what do we do with the past? And, and there are things that, that could, uh, I think the enemy would use to condemn us. Um, right. or, or, or just God our consciences. God can't use us
2: anymore. Yeah, or God can never forgive that. Yes, yep.
1: yes. Um, and, and so, I, and you mentioned the, the verse, what you preached on, Like God is greater than our heart. I think when, when thinking through that of, okay, maybe I'm just confused right now, and I don't, like, am I, am I giving myself a pass, or or am I not thinking about this thoroughly enough? Exactly. Right, the, right. what you're talking about, the over... Overactive or, or underactive conscience. Um, it is just such a great reminder that, that, I mean, God is, the Spirit is within us, right. but God is outside of us. And His Word, char- like, sharpens us, it, it judges us rightly, but then that that falls on what else you've talked about, like on Christ. The fact that we have uh, the, the gift of the covering of Christ's righteousness. Right. And, and God's, um, condemnation of sin is very clear and, and very real mm-hmm. and at the same time that we can experience like we no longer experience that condemnation yeah. uh, it, it's just an amazing thing to, to be reminded of and I, and I think that with, with or in our consci- consciences can like, accuse us or excuse us uh, even what we're doing here uh, being, being in the local church um, being intentional with other Christians those are how we kind of discover am I doing this right right like am I live if I, am I living right because you can read a book like first John man it feels some of these things feel abstract it's like well what does that actually look like we'll yeah. talk about it with other believers right right and and find out and then and then when you are with other believers you also want uh, to share the love of Christ man it's just a, it's just a gift yeah because there's there's forgiveness there's not Condem- like oh, I can't believe you did that. Yeah, it's exactly. it's you no, know, you get forgiveness. You don't get that condemnation. Yeah. Right. And that's just an extension of God being greater than our heart. Sometimes the people around us, uh, in God's manifest wisdom, they they are wiser and they are more mature and they are more godly, um, and they can they can pray for us. Right. Uh, our, our sins are forgiven and then will be forgiven by the Lord. Yeah. So. Yeah. And of course, you want to avoid the other extreme
2: where overactive conscience. You can be flippant. Or minimize the seriousness of sin. certainly we can have confidence and cleansing but we never want to just act like our sin was no big deal it's an offense against a holy God and so many people in as we you know if you grow up in Christian circles you hear lots of people who can say fleshly things but spiritualize it one of those things is like well I have peace about it like well whether or not you have peace about something it it, it, sometimes it can be part of like God you know uh, you know, leading you through something, but it can often be really used as an excuse to excuse sin or unwise uh, decisions and just spiritualize it. Well, how do I argue with that? You just told me you have peace about it. Well,
0: okay. Yeah. So on one spectrum, you've got Satan who, he's the accuser and Mm. wants to keep you focused on your guilt and shame from your sin. And we know that in the gospel that Christ has died for our sins, that he has taken the wrath of God that was due us mm. for our sins on the cross and paid that price in full. So there's nothing we can do to add to that. So that's, that's that one you know, kind of spectrum yeah. of, of that mm. guilt that we have from Satan. But then the other one is, you know, well, I'm saved by grace. There's nothing I can do, therefore. And they, they slip into this cheap grace or anti-nomianism. Uh, antinomianism, lawless, lawlessness is really what that translates to. Um, view of, well, there's nothing I can really do to earn my salvation, therefore I can do whatever I want, and so that's the other Which we, di- I
2: would say violates the light test. It yeah. violates <laughs> it wholeheartedly,
0: right. So you know, I, I think it's just important to understand the price that Christ paid for our sins and then to strive to please him, and so I, I think that, you know, this this truth truth, light, and love test is just so mm. meaningful for all Christians to understand. Yes. Yep. Okay, so another question I have, and you made a comment and you said um, confession or, you know, confessing Christ is not merely saying the right thing about Jesus, but knowing and believing these truths. And so I think we oftentimes see that where um, there's an evangelism opportunity and somebody's quick to lead them into the sinner's prayer, and they, they say it with their mouth, but their heart doesn't believe what they're saying, what they're communicating. And so um, you have this problem where they've, they've audibly and verbally said something, but their heart is, is far away from that truth, and they're not grabbing onto it. So what are some personal tips and practices that you use to, to discern and defend truth as you're looking at the, the truth of the gospel in Jesus Christ?
2: Right. Well, I, mean, I, I immediately think of just everything I take in, uh, in the world around me. Uh, the, the truth claims I'm hearing and whether it's through the news or through entertainment is typically like uh, two of the great many ways other than interacting with people on a daily basis is the way that we're being bombarded with truth claims all the time. And so I just always want to have my, my uh, sensors up. I never want to passively take in entertainment, um, whether it's you know, not just Christian entertainment but even worldly entertainment. As long as it doesn't have some sort of objection by element that I feel is tempting me to sin I'm, I'm perfectly willing to enjoy that, and, but I always want to be thinking about the worldview behind whatever I'm consuming, or as I'm reading or listening to the news, just discerning not just my innate political loyalties, but like just trying to honestly discern uh, truth from error, right from wrong in any given uh, circumstances. So you just always got to be on on guard, and then uh, you know it's it's a continual process. You, you it's not one of those things you're not prepared. Necessarily in the moment, unless you've been setting up that that regular pattern of taking care of like common means of grace, like reading your Bible and and getting the most you can out of sermons. That's a you, you bank that up for in those instances when you are confronted uh, with error. And um, I mean, there's lots of resources you can go to. I try to go to the Bible, whether it's my study Bible or godly men that I trust. Not that I agree with them on every single issue, right. but that I I looked at their life, their ministry, and I know that they have consistently handled God's word correctly. And I'll go to their sermons and their books, whether it's Mark Dever at Capitol Hill Baptist where I was a member for a while, or guys I know online or through their books like John Piper, John MacArthur, uh, or theologians of the past. A lot of times I've been going through, Kyle's dead mentor is Spurgeon, mine is Martin Lloyd-Jones. And so his, uh, for whatever reason this week, I didn't get around to doing it, but I'll often read his sermons on the passage in 1 John. That I'm doing, and and those men who I know, who I trust, can handle Scripture well, can be a great right. service that way too. But just keeping that radar up all the time, realizing I'm always being bombarded with truth claims, whether it's my own sinful desires or it's any kind of popular media or uh, even the people I interact with on a daily basis, they have they are operating their lives according to some sort of truth claim.
1: Excellent, very good. I think in. And what uh, Dan is mentioned with, the, like the love test, mm. I think that's why First John is just so great because it, it emphasizes all three of those: truth, light, and love. And uh, the love test for me is a helpful one because it's just I'm asking myself, well, what do I love? Mm. What am I and I'm, what am I loving currently? Yes. And um, Don Whitney has a really helpful. I think it's I think it's like a like ten or eleven questions, like diagnosing your. Either like your spiritual growth or maturity or, or health, mm-hmm. and some of those is it's just a question like, am I uh, increasing in my love for the Bride of Christ? Uh, am I more eagerly anticipating being with Christ forever? Um, when I ask myself those questions, one is usually convicting, right. <laughs> um, especially if I'm tired. But then, but then also it it helps me like, oh no, I I'm not doing that well. But me like I, I want to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes. I want to, and yep. that's just a great opportunity for uh, repentance, confession of, of not doing that faithfully, um, and, and the Lord is just so quick and, and kind and loving and to forgive us, so that, that's usually where, that's my, my gut uh, right. instinct, is just ask myself those questions. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we've got
0: truth contained in scriptures, and there's a lot of truth in there, and so when we're looking at truth versus error... I kind of tend to go back to church history, and I believe that we're standing on the shoulders of giants. And so one of my favorite church historians, Philip Schaff, I think he was a contemporary of P.B. Warfield in the 1800s, um, late 1800s, he wrote a a great history of all of the confessions of the early church. I just love to go back and look at all of the confessions and the creeds that we had um, throughout the history of the church to see where error kind of rose up and where great men of, of just renown and scholar and godly men came together with these councils to, to defend truth against error. So it just really helps me to see that, um, to have a system of thought and a framework to defend against truth. That's why we've got statements of faith in the in, in the church. We we have the New Hampshire Confession, and things like that here that we have that give us a very succinct document to define truth. Of course, the Bible's the first source, but that helps us to shape all those truths into that uh, defendable, Doctrines that we have to take a stand on. Yeah. Okay. So, last question for you guys, and I'm going to start with you: is how will you apply this text and this sermon this week moving forward?
1: I think the just just an increased awareness of um, of all the of all the stuff that we that we hear during the week. Yes. Um, and you know, there, there's a I my tendency is to like. I try to just veer away from some of the news and things like that, but it's just, I mean, you, you can't help it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and in my job, I, I hear a lot of people talk about a lot of things, and I, I often find that uh, I, I'm hearing more words from people or from myself than I am yeah. from the Lord. Yeah. Um, so even just, uh, th- there's a grace in just in just being in the word more. Uh, yeah. that, that's something that I want to always commit to. Uh, but, but certainly in this week, I was just thinking about it from, from Dan's sermon of uh, being more intentional in, in the word, in prayer uh, mm-hmm. as well, and uh, in, in practicing those very simple but, but profound truths. Mm-hmm. Like Dan was mentioning like, abiding in Christ. Like there's a, there's a true depth mm-hmm. in that. It's, it's, not, uh, it's not an abiding that, that includes like, all right, hey, we're good. I, I did the right thing. It's, mm-hmm. It is a constant practice. Right, And so just wanting to more uh, faithfully do that.
0: Right. No, that's
2: great. Yeah, again, just uh, being more discerning of the truth claims that I'm tempted to believe. And even... Conscience. I think some of us, by our nature, we're either tempted to one or the other. Where some people have an overactive conscience and they're constantly for apologizing for things they don't need to, or whatever, or they they really get a lot of emotional angst over lots of different things. I think the vast majority of us have the other problem, where our conscience could be a little bit more <laughs> effective, yeah. and that's where we need to rein in. And be like, oh, well, this doesn't really bother me that much. We can be so desensitized, whether it's our our our. Uh, entertainment choices or how we talk with our co-workers or whatever, that we constantly need to be evaluating our own lives according to the objective standard of God's Word. And while we're doing that, I love like how you said, use the love test. Is this helping me love God more? Is this helping me love what is good and honorable and that whole list that Paul gives us? Is this helping me, or is this making me love sin more? Is it making me love myself and or the the world system around me more? And that's, that's a wonderful test. Uh, Just more on an emotional level
0: as well. As both of you guys were talking, I was kind of running through my mind, and I came to the realization that I've got like a Rolodex of theologians' quotes in my mind that just (laughs) kind of bounce around from time to time. And I remember one from John MacArthur that just had me cracking up years ago eating he said, uh, to, to be open-minded is one step above being a moron. And, uh, and it's, it's a harsh <laughs> statement, but uh, what he was essentially saying is we have to put parameters yeah. and frames and protections around what goes into our head.
2: Don't be so open-minded your brain falls out. Right, right? and
0: so open-mindedness. You know, <laughs> culture says it's a it's virtue, but it's not wise. It's yeah. not wise at all. So yes. we, we have to be discerning with what we allow to go into our heads and to influence how we think. So, Faith Family Church, we pray that this sermon was a blessing to you and that this sermon panel was edifying, and we look forward to getting you back here next week as uh, Pastor Kyle closes out the book of Daniel. God bless.
2: Thank you for listening to this resource of Faith Family Church. We gather on Sundays at 495 Hugh Hunter Road in Oak Grove, Kentucky and are a short drive from Fort Campbell in Hopkinsville, Kentucky, as well as Clarksville, Tennessee. For more information, visit our website, myfaithfamilychurch.com.